Hello and welcome to the Premier Football Podcast for our midweek uh, transfer window special. I'm joined uh, as always by Joseph Doherty. Joe, how are you getting on today? Rafe, I'm, I'm doing very well. Some positive transfer news for Arsenal today at last. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty happy, pretty happy with life. And all the way from Spain, uh, Stefan Gallagher, how are you doing? I'm doing No, he's well, from thanks. Upton Park. He's an Upton Park yeah. man, can't you see? <laughs> they moved the great, uh, our, yeah. our Spanish football correspondent for the day. I suppose that's obviously the, the, the best place to start with everything that's going on. Um, obviously, the, the major transfer rumour of the, of the window to, to date is Lionel Messi's potential Barcelona departure. Steph, what are, you, what are you hearing from your sources in Spain? How close to a deal are we? Um, well, what I'm hearing is a lot of noise and a lot of chaos and a lot of confusion basically um it obviously at first came out that he had sent a registered fax to the club um to say that he wanted to leave um, and that kind of set in motion then uh, it's been a week of you know different reports about different clauses in his contract it seems every time they redo his contract they put in about 15 different new clauses so there was a clause that would have allowed him to leave by the 10th of June I think it was so two days after the Champions League final then that then expired FIFA rules were saying that we should be keeping in the spirit of um, the situation of COVID and trying to be flexible Barcelona uh, and La Liga do not agree with that because they don't want to lose their star assets so that's kind of being swept away um, I think um, that I guess the big news maybe might come tomorrow which will be Wednesday the 2nd of September there's a meeting between uh, Jorge Messi Messi's father and agent and Bartomeu the Barcelona president so that seems like we would hope maybe there'll be some kind of clarity will come out of that kind of you reading today the, sorry, you, sorry. you mentioned the Barcelona president there and initially when, when the news broke that Messi had handed in a transfer request and, and, and wanted to leave the club there was a lot of talk that it was purely down to down to this the mismanagement of, of the club and it was, a, it was a power move that he wanted to get him out earlier than the November elections does it seem like that is the case or do you think that he genuinely does want to leave the club now? At the moment it's, it's quite unclear um, there's a lot of contrasting views on which it is again there was a, another clause that was reported that this next season is actually optional for Messi still so he can if he wants he actually can go which would indicate that there is um kind of some sort of negotiation ploy at play again I think tomorrow the meeting between Jorge Messi and Bartomeu will kind of definitely clear things up a lot um <clears throat> there are also reports coming from Barcelona saying that other board members if it's means that they'll get money for Messi now would rather sell him this summer than wait to let him leave next summer because I think they're kind of looking at around the 100 million euro mark that in terms of the losses that Barcelona have suffered yeah, since the start of the yeah. pandemic so they're kind of thinking you know it could be a cleaner option you know if the meeting maybe doesn't go well tomorrow could be to to sell him out or to sell him on uh, in this window and at least recoup something for him given that they're kind of staring into a bit of a rebuilding phase anyway as it is. Yeah I suppose it's even one of those cases where even if the ruling does go in favour of Barcelona that the contract is still kind of valid that he, that he is under contract if he doesn't want to play they're gonna to have to let him go anyway exactly yeah um i think he can be quite stubborn i mean he was due to turn up to training the other day i'm sure you might have seen it some people might have seen the image of a small child crying outside um yeah. barcelona when the um messi didn't turn up for his for his covid test so you know i he, if he wants to go and i think with all that he's given to the club his whole career if he feels his time is up there and he feels maybe the, the project kind of has come to an end in terms of his career there i think i wouldn't be surprised if he would maybe down tools to force a move and I don't think anyone could be grudging given anything you give the club. We'll, we'll come back to Barcelona in a couple of minutes and, and look at maybe the rest of the squad and some of the reasons that he might want to leave and, and, and what they're planning to do. But Joe, how exciting would it be to see Lionel Messi playing in the Premier League? It'd be huge. Um, let's be honest, we haven't had that type of player, that, that uh, grander player since Cristiano Ronaldo left for, for Real Madrid. When did he leave? 2009? Yeah, summer 2009. 
So we're going back over to, over ten years. Obviously, we've had a, a, an abundance of quality players, but no one who's like rivaling for best player in the world. So it'll it, be huge. The only thing is, we all know which club he, the only club who could afford him. Um, and the so only probably, reason they can do... one of two globally. You could, yeah, the two Manchester clubs, right? Well, Maybe Chelsea at a push. No, I mean in the Premier League. You asked me oh, if okay, it would yeah. be exciting to see him in the Premier League. So, And they, the reason they couldn't do a deal for him this year is because yeah. financial fair play rules have been relaxed due to COVID. So the, the circumstances are a little bit muddy, if you, if you like to put it that way. Um, but... I mean, it'd, it'd be amazing to have Messi in the Premier League. And for all those who've kind of said, could he do it on a on a rainy December night in Burnley or in Stoke or whatever? It, it's I think I think it's probably obvious that he could do that. He's 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 one of the best players, if not the best player of all time. So it'd be it'd be only a plus to have him in the Premier League. Are 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 there any negatives associated with with possibly signing him? Are there questions about whether he, he's needed in terms of, of players on the pitch? Whether that should be a priority another attacking player, or or just the caliber of player that he is and the reputation he brings? To yeah, man. If you have the chance to sign Messi, you sign Messi. I mean, he's 33, but he's, I, I mean, he's got another three, four years left, I think, of being, he's adapted his game very well over the past three years. Now he's more of a creator. I think that, that he's still scoring loads, but the number of assists that he's registering and how he comes deeper to, to dictate the play. I mean, for Manchester City, he'd almost be a David Silva replacement. He'd play higher up. I think I he plays closer um, to Aguero. Yeah, but but he'd, um, and I mean, what does that do for Foden? Yeah, <laughs> but, but come on, if you, you can't turn that opportunity down. You can't. That's, that, yeah. that'd, that'd be crazy. There's no good reason to do that. And I, I think- And from well, the commercial you... side as well, from the commercial side as well, for Manchester well, what, City. What are Man City they're, about? They, what are their aims? They're, yeah, well, they're about winning. That's the key they're about point, winning. They're, and they're they're about winning, and they're about um, building their brand. Their brand is this city group of the, the Manchester City, New York City, and Melbourne City. And Messi is going to lead that brand for the next however many years if they can get that deal down the line. And that's kind of what's what's Messi. Pardon the pun, but in regards to the Barcelona situation, because he's he's an icon of Barcelona, and when you think of Lionel Messi, for me, you don't think of Argentina, you think of Barcelona, you think of them winning leagues with him at the helm, doing his thing and being crowned times. Um, so for him to then go and be the brand ambassador for the UAE's, sorry, for Abu Dhabi's uh, football project, is a, a um, you know that's the negative for me. If I if there is to be a negative, that's the negative is that he he cuts his ties with a with with Barcelona, where he's a legend without doubt, and where you know Xavi is all these players. Abidal, he was just sacked as sporting director, but he went back, and all, all these legendary players at Barcelona. There's always a place for them, and, and if he leaves under these circumstances and goes to be a brand ambassador for the Abu Dhabi group at Manchester City. I don't know how you guys feel about that. That's a that's a bit that, that's the one black mark for me. You spoke a lot about um, Barcelona teams of the past, and I suppose that ties in with with the next question I'm going to ask, Stefan. Obviously, the Barcelona team have, have aged together over the last three or four years to a varying degree of success. I suppose whether you look at them domestically or or in Europe, but they they have invested money, but. In, in the wrong places. They got that Neymar money a couple of years ago. They, they splashed it out on Coutinho and then Dembele, a player that they've loaned out and one that struggles to get into the first team and Griezmann as well, who, who struggled to get into the, the team last year. What, what are the issues at Barcelona that are, are, are pushing Messi out of the team? Um, I, I think you've kind of got to look back to maybe how the, the Guardiola team was created. And there's such a huge focus on the academy. I think nearly the whole team came through the academy. And like, obviously it was a sensational crop of players, but 
when they were hiring coaches, they had this uh, a checklist of everything that a coach had to have, and it was it was the kind of the the Barcelona ethos that was built by um, Johan Cruyff. And it seems like in the last while they've just kind of moved away from that, where it's just been we've got Messi, we're going to win. And, you know, let's just put some solid pieces around him and we'll win. But it, they really seem to have, like, when you think about the, the Guardiola team, Luis Enrique even as well, even though they had the kind of messy name or Suarez, which was obviously a big part of their success, you know, it, their style of football was very, you could always tell it was Barcelona playing, the way they played, the way they just uh, suffocated teams. And that's just not the case anymore. And they seem to have kind of moved a bit away from their from the blueprint and just haven't really been able to replace. I mean, if you look at the team that won the Champions League a few years ago, I think when Xavi was being phased out, you know, with Busquets, Iniesta, Rakitic, that midfield, and then Messi, Neymar, Suarez, it's been a slow. They've, as those players have left one by one, they haven't found the quality to replace them, neither coming through the academy nor through signings, you know, that seem a bit rash. Maybe they they seem to take the kind of the popular option signing that doesn't necessarily fit their, um, their style of play so that you know they've just yeah a kind of combination of a bit of mismanagement I think a bit of um you know managers that either you know are a bad fit to start with or don't get enough time to really kind of implement the the Barca blueprint on the team and I think that's why they've gone back to Combe to Koeman, someone who's been there before someone who knows the club the culture um and they're hoping to kind of probably build up again and really reinstall that kind of Barcelona culture on the on the team. If I could just put in there I, th- I think that there's some really good points there Steph um, I mean, the signing of Arturo Vidal, how does that, I mean, like, where are these La Masia midfielders coming through? Where's the next Busquets? Where's the next Xavi? Where's the next Iniesta field? You know, for, for as good as a player Ivan Rakitic is, he's, he's not that good and he's not in the mold of a Xavi or, 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 or an Iniesta. So it's, it's, it's actually quite, I've no great love for Barcelona at all. Um, in fact, I don't really like them as a, as a football club. But it's, it's sad when, when they have such a clear identity and when they have such class in their history, it's sad to see how they've been run these past few years and, and the clear mismanagement from the executive staff and th- these big name signings that, that, that there's no forward planning to it's is much worse than the Real Madrid Galacticos who were serial underachievers as well it's much worse than this it's, it's one of the the biggest messes in football at the at the moment and it's actually no wonder that Messi wants out yeah and they're in a very difficult position Given, because, because they haven't backed him they haven't built the team around him yeah, yeah. sorry that's yeah um just to, just to add that they they're in a very difficult position now because when that this crop of well, if you go back to maybe the the earlier Guardiola team, um, with the kind of spine of Valdez, Puyol, Iniesta, Xavi, and then a bit later Messi, when they started coming through, Barcelona weren't that great. I mean, they were, you know, they weren't kind of serial league winners and Champions League mm-hmm. winners, um. But now they are, and they're they're a mega mega global brand now, and they're not like anything less than winning the league, and probably a, a domestic domestic double is a failure now. Um, mm. so there's no, I mean, it's blooding young players in. It's not like they have a season now to just you know get in there and get used to the pace of the league. It's get in there and win pretty quick, and if not, um, there's going to be serious pressure to buy you know, whoever the kind of popular name on the on the fans' lips is uh, for 100 million in the summer. And that's kind of how it goes. I mean, you know, you look where you look at Coutinho and Dembele now and they really look like, um, and Griezmann, they almost look like just throwaway signings, like just 
shrug well, the shoulders, throw hundred million at someone to try. How much do we think that the the departure of Messi could actually help some of these players? Like Griezmann, mm. Griezmann's been anonymous since he moved to Barcelona because he's shadowed. But, but he's been playing left wing. He's been playing left wing. If anything, he should be playing as a right inside forward or a striker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Kuman has, has told. I think as part of when he told um, Suarez that he wasn't really part of his plans, which is obviously a very brave move. I think he's also kind of going to count on Griezmann to be central to the team, so to play more through the middle. So um, it looks like he might try and build through Griezmann, which you know, given the success he's had in in La Liga, he's been an incredible player through the years for Atleti and for and for Sociedad. So. No doubt he might be able to carry it on, but again, if, if there's not the team around him, it's a, it's a tough summer to be trying to rebuild because he obviously still wouldn't bring players in. And oh, look, we're 10 days out from the start of the league already, so it's definitely um, going to be Ivan Rakitic departed today. He went back to Sevilla, and there are a handful mm. of other big names. You touched on Suarez there, who's, who's been linked with an exit. Uh, Joe, I think you were, you were telling me earlier that essentially every player over the age of 30 has been, has been transfer listed at Barcelona. Um, they, they've got Except a for Messi, yeah. Ahead of them. Yeah, they do. I mean, we're talking about these these icons of, of Barcelona, the likes of Gerard Piquet. I mean, they're th- they're they're three captains. Messi, Busquets, and and Piquet would all be put put up for sale. Um, I think there's some debate around Busquets, maybe because he's on. I think he might just be thirty or thirty one, and they don't want to. They might not want to get rid of them. But I certainly heard the the, the Athletics' latest podcast. Their man in Spain, can't remember his name. He's an Irish lad. Um, he, he was just he was like laying it out there crystal clear that all of the 30 pluses the you know the PKs the Busquets is the Suarez is all these guys uh, Jordi Alba who, who uh, yeah Vidal as well although he's less of an icon um, even people like Umtiti all of the either old or high wage earners and the signings that haven't worked out are, are, are up for sale and it's just. I, I mean, they can't get it all done this year, can they? There's no way. This is a, a huge project. And Kuman, I think, uh, Steph, I have to get, disagree with you when you, you say that he's, he's in the Barcelona mold. He played for Barcelona, but it was a, a very different Barcelona. And I think if we look at how he, he managed uh, at both Southampton and Everton, he's a, he's a much more pragmatic manager um, than the likes of Guardiola. He's definitely not that tiki-taka type. He's a 4-2-3-1, two solid DMs, like how the Netherlands played in the 2010 World Cup to so, so much criticism. Um, he's in, sorry, he, for me, he's, the, in, he, he's in that mode. The, the point on that, Joe, sorry, it's not as much, I guess, the um, because the style of play is dictated by the club and the hierarchy. Um, and that's kind of that kind of gets fed down to the manager almost. But what I mean by him being in that the culture and the mode is they always want to promote internally. That's what they did with Guardiola, Tito Villanueva after, and Luis Enrique, someone who played there before coming back. It's always a massive focus of them to have someone coming back. And again, the last couple of managers, then it went to just pick the popular Spanish manager who's doing well. So sorry, what I was getting at more was that they wanted someone who's kind of invested in the club as a, not just as a, a football team, but as the entire kind of entity. And that will kind of come in and probably, I guess, align with what they want as well. And not maybe, not that there be an egotistical kind of, he'll go and do his own thing. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. Sorry for the misunderstanding. That's, that's very clear. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. Cheers, lads. And then that, uh, that concludes part one. 
for part two, we're going to move back to the, to the Premier League and focus on some of the deals that have been done and, and are rumoured to, to have been done. Joe's put together a fantastic list for us here. And I suppose the, the obvious place to start talking about the transfer market is, is Chelsea. Joe, they've obviously done a lot of business so far. They've been the proactive ones in terms of getting deals done early. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the, the business that's gone on there? Yeah, so so obviously the, the the three major deals that have gone through for Chelsea already are Timo Werner, fifty four million pounds from RB Leipzig, fantastic German striker who's been scoring a serious amount of goals over the last twelve to eighteen months. Hakim Ziyech, uh, left footed right winger from Ajax, thirty six million pounds. Um, Liverpool were obviously linked with Werner, and they seem to pull out of the deal uh, and allow Chelsea a, a free pass. I don't know if it was because Werner. Rave, you might be able to tell me a little bit more about this, but because Werner wasn't guaranteed to start, that he would be used in rotation and, you know, I, never put I, I suppose with the, with the Africa Cup of Nations and things like that, he would get a lot of games because both Mane and Salah are going to have to be going. And, and he didn't want that. He wanted to be guaranteed uh, first team football. No, with with Zayech. It's believed that Liverpool Sorry, never actually put in a bid for, for Werner, um, that all of, all of the discussion was coming from his end. A Klopp was always an admirer of him, but, but um, FSG never entertained the, the idea of negotiations and there was actually never, uh, there was never an approach in the first place. I think Chelsea were the only team, to, despite all the noise coming from all around Europe, that actually got, went in and got it done early and, and, and had their stuff together. And I think they've, they've got a fantastic deal out of it. Then they have got a free run at all five of their major signings. They're, they're three that have been announced already, and I think two to be announced. Yeah, I was, my next point was they've been given a free run at Zayat. No one else came in for him. He, it was just linked with Chelsea. They got that deal done in January, um, but it was just signed in the summer. And then Ben Chilwell, uh, Leicester City and uh, England left back, £45 million. Pounds. Um, no one else was in was in for him. He's very good. I'm not sure if he's worth 45 million pounds. This is a crazy market. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that Thiago Silva has been announced. It's not been official. He's done his medical and everything, but it's not it's not been made official yet. But he's going to be a free signing from PSG. And then Kai Havertz, the um, very exciting German attacking midfielder from Bayer Leverkusen, is on the cusp of a 90 million pound transfer. So that is right up there with the with the Premier League's top um, top ever transfers uh, into the Premier League. It's, it's it's a massive deal, and again, no one else was in for Havertz. Um, these are obviously great players, but but it it, it is strange that there were, they didn't have to have a. Maybe it's because of the year it, that's it, in it's it. The, in a way, we spoke about Barcelona's poor planning um, of signings and and into the future. Chelsea have obviously been sitting on this money for two years, or. Uh, yeah, two mm. years since since Eden Hazard, sorry, a season since Eden Hazard moved on, and um, unable to spend it in the last couple of windows, and they they they've been organised. They've had a plan. They've known exactly who their targets are, where they need to strengthen, and they've gone in ahead of everybody else. The the the, the COVID lockdown seemed to affect so many clubs in so many ways because they were unsure of money, whether it was whether it was going. City, I know, I've got a couple of deals done, but. What Chelsea have done has just been incredibly impressive. Um, they've known from the start of probably even January who they were going to come and get, and the second the window opened, they've they've gone and got it. They they even tied down lots of these players before last season finished. Timo Werner came early, didn't mind missing out on the on the end of the Champions League, um, and and things like this. So that I suppose they've really laid down a marker of, of where they where they plan to be next season, and it's not going to be sitting third or fourth in the league. 
No, it's not. You, you do not spend that kind of money. And I, I know you, you can almost say it was free money. It was like the Coutinho money for Liverpool because it was, it was a huge uh, transfer from for, for Hazard to Real Madrid. But there's serious pressure over, uh, for Frank Lampard now. I mean, he has to be challenging for the league title. He doesn't. He might not necessarily have to win it, but he has to be challenging for it and late into the season as well and doing well in the in the Champions League. You, you cannot. We know how ruthless Roman Abramovich is. It's it's not acceptable at Chelsea to to be given a um, world class players and potentially world class players who cost tons of money and with a, a t- just a top four um, finish. One major outgoing in Chelsea, and that was the, the free transfer of William, of course, over to Arsenal. Arsenal have confirmed a few deals, a lot of loan um, loan to buy options confirmed, and, and, and players that have been, they've been linked with for a while. Do you want to quickly summarise that for us? Yeah, so just today, Arsenal announced the signing of, Ga- of Gabriel, Gabriel Magalhaes, who's a I butchered his surname. I'll just call him Gabriel. He's a left-footed, uh, 22-year-old Brazilian centre-back from Lille in the in the French league. Cost 27 million pounds. And from what I've seen of him, he's he's tall. I think he's about six foot three. He's left-footed. He's excellent on the ball, as a lot of left left left-footed players are. And he seems to read the game very well. And he's 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 quick. So it'll it'll be a tough ask to come into that Arsenal back line and start immediately and I, I think that there will be some rotation between I think David Luiz for the first six months at least will be the key man in the defence and then they'll blood in both him and Saliba so it's an exciting signing and I think that Willian uh, is a is a decent signing as well Sabayas was confirmed as well today wasn't he? Sabayas it's not it's not gone through but um, yeah it's, it's it's all but done from, from what the, the media are saying so he comes back for another loan and then Arsenal will have um confirmed Cedric Suarez from Southampton on a free transfer. He was here on loan, back up to Bellerin and Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Uh, one of, uh, yeah, there's another option who, who might leave because Arsenal have three right backs and then Pablo Mari, who's injured centre-back from, from Tomanko. So that's Arsenal's business so far. Um, reasonably proactive as well. There's been some criticism from fans, but I mean, that's five or six deals that are done and dusted already. So it's, it's, it's pretty good to be fair. All right, thanks for that. Um, Stefan, I don't know how closely you've been um, following Leeds since they've come up. I'm delighted to be talking about them on the show, by the way. But they've uh, they've had a big deal come through from Spain. Rodrigo, um, who obviously scored a lot of goals for Valencia over the last few years, has agreed a, a £30 million move. Um, and they, they picked up another couple of, couple of players as well. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about your expectations for Leeds for the season? Um. <clears throat> Well, just like yourself, I'm really excited to be talking about them back in the Premiership again. Um, look, it's going to be really interesting. I think the the spirit, I mean, the, the kind of the team spirit and the club spirit that um, Marcelo Bielsa kind of built up, um, not just, you know, on the pitch, but through the city. I mean, he's like, you see videos of him in the supermarket with people, you know, crawling around after him. Um, he's built a real kind of a real spirit and then a real flair to the team as well. And I mean, Rodrigo's a terrific player. I when I think it's a, it's a big frustration here in Spain that, you know, you, you get guys who, you know, really good players and he's been a, a very good player for Valencia um, and the, the promoted clubs with the new big TV deal they get are able to kind of come in and, <clears throat> and take all these players away from, uh, from good teams in the Spanish league. But, you know, the combination of, uh, him and then Helder Costa as well, I believe they signed. Um, you know, they're 
two pretty solid additions. So obviously there is a there's always the worry with them, um, you know, with players from abroad moving in, especially when there's a pressure on Leeds to get results, you know, to not be anchored down towards the bottom of the league. But you know, if they can incorporate him, and obviously he'll be able to cross that, you know, that language barrier obviously a lot easier with with Bielsa and a few others there. Um, I, you know, I have no reason why I don't think they can do pretty well next year in terms of what, I, I think in terms of avoiding relegation. That is. Yeah, just on, just on Rodrigo, I think that he's the, the type of forward who Bielsa really, really likes because he works really hard, he comes deep, he runs in the channels. Um, if you look at how Patrick Bamford plays, he, he does that kind of role as well. So to have another option, um, I, I would say a far superior option to Pat, yeah. Patrick Bamford, um, who looked out of his depth in the Premier League when he was there with Norwich, I believe, and Middlesbrough. Borough, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, they needed to upgrade in that area. Not to say that Bamford might not do well, but they needed to have another option. You can't just rely on someone who's who's failed in the Premier League before. Yeah. So, like, he's going to work very hard up front for them, and he can play off off the left hand side as well. So he gives them a, a lot of options across that that front line. Yeah, and they on your point with Bamford, I think that you know Bamford was signed from Chelsea to lower clubs to be the number one striker to keep them in the premiership. And it was a lot of pressure to put on him. And, you know, mm. he's probably playing in pretty poor teams, but someone like Rodrigo, big money signing, can come in and take the weight off someone like Patrick Bamford. And actually might be very beneficial for him as well then to just free him up a bit and not have the kind of weight of the, the club essentially on him to score all the goals. So it could really work really well. Really good dynamic for the team. Yeah, brilliant. Um, there's not been a whole lot going on at Liverpool. Joe and I touched on this the other day in the, in the Community Shield video. Um, just cost us the, the left back coming in as cover um, and the, the Dan Lovren exit being confirmed. Um, the, the Genie Wijnaldum contract situation is still up in the air and you'd imagine if he goes to Barcelona where he's been linked, then that potentially opens the, the door for Thiago, but it's all really speculation at, at this stage. Um, going across to Manchester United, they finally managed to shift Alexis Sanchez from their books. Uh, Steph, how important do you think that's going to be for them? Um, it's an interesting one. I, I mean, given that he's been kind of away the last uh, the last season, we've kind of forgotten a bit about him, and they've kind of they've almost moved on from him already. Like in with Greenwood coming in and this kind of fast, you know, counter-attacking young team that they have, and um, obviously it's going to free up some money for them uh, to maybe bring some some more guys in. You know, there's the Van der Beek rumors from Ajax that seems to be kind of rumbling on and on and on. Um, don't know if if they can get that done and then maybe then one of Sancho and Grealish it feels like the ship might have sailed on Sancho it was big rumored and then it's you know they've kind of dormant have come out saying he's staying now they've had enough <clears throat> so maybe they'll, they'll shift to Grealish um he'll be you know an extra 50% now that you got called into England squad but um, I have to say, I have to say, sorry, just just for Dortmund, they said the exact same thing with Aubameyang when Arsenal were linked with him in January 2018, and they even started playing him again. And it's just to get the money they want. So if United yeah. cough up the hundred million pounds, they'll get Jadon Sancho. I, we saw, I think Jadon Sancho would, would love to play for Manchester United. We saw the same thing with Bruno Fernandez at Manchester United last year. This will he won't he will he won't he, and it actually continued on into January mm. before they decided that actually they were going to pay the fee that they did that they were trying to avoid paying the entire time as it yeah, was. And yeah. I wonder maybe if they have learned from it, if they do want this player to mm-hmm. actually go and to go and spend up money. But obviously, um, it's time to be excited as a Manchester United fan with, with all these big names being linked with the club. 
um, mm. with the club obviously assuring themselves Champions League football this year um, with the with the yeah. upturn turn in in form last season. Um, and I think the so, youthful aspect of the of the squad at the moment there's obviously a bit of you know a couple of players that um, probably De Gea might they might look at moving moving on potentially, but in terms of you look at the kind of through the midfield and the forwards, it's such a young kind of vibe to the team. And then to be linked with these young, other young stars, it kind of, maybe not just for this season, but going on into the future, I'd say, you know, the fans are uh, feeling pretty optimistic again, unfortunately. Definitely. No, I'd say, I, I think they could still do with another centre-back. And they've just, there have yeah. been rumours coming out about David Upamecano. If United get uh, Van de Beek and Upamecano and Jaden Sancho, it, um, <laughs> That's that's some serious players. I still have the question marks over um, certainly their left back, Luke Shaw. I don't think that he's good enough. He's not at the same level of all the other players, and De Gea seems to be past his best. But with De Gea, it'll be a natural transition to Henderson. The thing about think. De Gea is that yeah. he only signed a new contract last season, and he's on very big money. I think he's on about two fifty, three hundred. Yeah, it was a huge contract a week, so. for four or five years or something ridiculous. Yeah, and who's going to pay that? Who's going to like? Pay money for him if he continues in poor form. <laughs> but if he continues in poor form, like no big club, exactly. it's, it's going to be like Iker Casillas at Real Madrid um, going to a, a Porto. They're a big club in Portugal, but they're not a a giant, if you know what I mean, in in, in the grand scheme of things. It's not not the move that I think De Gea, you know, a couple of years ago it was Real Madrid. That was the move, the big move. But again, that wouldn't sell because Courtois has been been brilliant. I don't think they're going to look to. To upgrade at all. We touched, well, I say we touched, we spent 20 minutes talking about it um, on, on Lionel Messi to Manchester City. They do have two deals confirmed already, uh, Nathan Ake and Fernand Torres. Um, I think the Nathan Ake signing could really prove to be a big one for them. Um, I know, Joe, when we heard it at first, we couldn't believe that they had signed another left-footed centre-back to, to partner uh, Americ Laporte because I, I don't know if there's anything more criminal in football than having two left-footed centre-halves playing side-by-side side, but I suppose Laporte could play left-back if needed um, what, it, what it will do though I think is it'll allow, sorry, yeah. it, it, it'll allow Fernandinho to go back to um, his natural number six position which I think Roger did struggle in this season and I think we, we talked about it a little bit last year that that was a, a major factor in in Manchester City not being as successful as they have been in, in, in other Premier League seasons. I th- yeah, I, I agree with you that it, it is strange to... Uh, nowadays, clubs seem to be wanting a right-footed and a left-footed centre-back. A lot of them anyway. There's been a lot of left-footed centre-backs who, who have become more prominent in recent, recent years. And it is strange for City to go and buy another left-footed centre-back, but they clearly want a ball-playing Premier League-proven centre-back. And Aki does to be fair to him, fit, fit that mold. So it'll be interesting to see how he adapts. And I mean, they're professional footballers, so as, as much as we like to shout on about it being awful to see two left-footed centre-backs playing side-by-side, I'm sure they'll be able to, to figure something out. And, and... Okay, and Steph, um, obviously the other major signing, Fernand Torres, uh, can you tell us a little bit about him? Um, <clears throat> again, another uh, huge loss here in Spain. He was absolutely terrific last year. Um, for Valencia, like one of their real star players and kind of one of the standout players in the league. Um, <clears throat> so, again, it was one of those where, you know, this kind of growing glum, I think, out here with the, the pandemic, a lot of money's been lost. They're kind of having to sell off players, but um, one of the most exciting players in the league. Um, 
kind of plays as a winger or was playing as a winger for Valencia. So, you know, I don't know how much City really need more of these brilliant attacking players, but um, they've got another absolutely terrific one here. So I'm very excited to see hopefully him playing. I mean, again, I just, I struggle to see just with, with, with all the players they have. It might be difficult for him to get into the team, but um, it's going to be um, going to be exciting if he gets out there for them. Well, I suppose there there is a, a Leroy Sané shaped hole there somewhere. If if in case we'd forgotten, I certainly had forgotten that he he played for <laughs> Manchester City. He wasn't missed last season, really, was he? No, not at all. And I think the probably the I don't know if you guys agree, but the emergence of um, Bernardo Silva as a real kind of star turn in the in the City team has maybe let people move on a bit from uh, from missing uh, Leroy Sané. Um, but again, it just gives another attacking option. I think Pep loves to kind of be able to keep players under pressure and rotate. I know he's the 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 most hated man in fantasy football circles because he'll he'll pull <laughs> out players form at uh, at all times to keep the team fresh. So, and it will be up there for someone to go in and take their chance. So, like Ferran Torres, I mean, there will be times where you know he'll be rotated in for get, you know maybe a run of games, and it will kind of be up to him to show what he can do and, and force his way kind of more permanently into into that side, but. I can imagine the, the competition and training is fierce to, to get into that City team, particularly as an attacking player. Who have they got now? It's Sterling, Mares, Bernardo Silva, um, Ferran Torres. Messi. Those are their, uh, well, Messi, Phil Foden. Those are, like, yeah. uh, those are five wide attacking you, options they have now. Yeah, and they're all is, terrific players. I mean, mm. they'd all nearly start in, in most teams in the league. Right. Um, a team that have been linked with a handful of, of new signings um, from all over the league and have got a couple done already. Newcastle United um, putting down a bit of a marker. Um, Jeff Hendrick, the only confirmed signing. Or, or, are they? I think they are, man. I yeah, think they are. My question. I think Jeff Hendrick is going to be... No, gonna be they're going after free there. transfers. Jeff Hendrick, a free transfer from Burnley. And no, I Ryan Jeff Fraser, Hendrick. a free transfer. They haven't even confirmed yet. Jeff Hendrick is a bang average Premier League player. A bang average Premier League player. Nothing more than that. Let's not kid ourselves here. It's just because he's, he's Irish. He's nothing special. <laughs> Tell me all the great things he's done for Ireland and for Burnley. He hit the, the crossbar years. against Sweden in the Euros. Oh, that's amazing. I remember that. That's incredible. Yeah, it's not exactly Ray Houghton scoring against Italy in, in, yeah. in 1990. It's or was it 94? No, but I mean, I mean, come on, a free sign, Jeff Hendrick for free. Think about Newcastle and who they are, like how big that football club is, how much they mean to so many, to millions of people. Sorry, hundreds of thousands of people in the city of Newcastle. Um, that's the you, don't, you don't think Jeff Hendrick and Ryan Fraser oh, are going to get them excited? No. No, no. Did Matt Ritchie <laughs> get them excited? Did Dwight Gale get them excited? Jesus, Rafe, come on. <laughs> I think uh, I, I think they're they're, re- they're recycling the the model basically. Do, do you know Do you know Do you know what? Maybe maybe where you're coming from is we've got so used to Newcastle being treated so poorly by Ashley that signing a competent Premier League player like Jeff Hendrick, he he is a competent Premier League player. He's an average Premier League player, but he's a competent Premier League player. And Ryan Fraser, who's an average Premier League winger, who's had like one season where he was productive with assists. Um, come on, that's not the standard. And Callum Wilson, who's had, who's lo- who looked good in patches for Bournemouth, but he never sustained it. He can never stay fit. He's not scored, you know, 15, 20 goals a season, three or four seasons in a row. Um, these are not. This is not exciting times to be a Newcastle fan. This is. 
And I have the utmost respect for Newcastle. I, I want Newcastle to do well because they're a, a traditional Premier League club, leave Newcastle, which is a, um, you know, a city with maybe not not a huge lot of, you know, they live for football in that city. That the, the, the city revolves around that football club. And it's, it's, it's sad to see them being treated like this and to be only given free, free transfers and for the, you know, all of these sales to be, to come up every year and then they fall through and it's, it's sad. That's, that's, that's how it is. One, one that jumps out off your list here, Joe, Aaron Ramsdale, born to Sheffield United, 18 million pounds. It's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. It's, uh, the English, uh, tax, isn't it? <laughs> 80%. Must be, surely. He did have a yeah, good season, like, though. Yeah. I got relegated. I think statistically, he was one of the worst keepers at coming for crosses, I was reading today Okay. in, in the league. So I don't, I don't think he had that great a season. I don't think that he's that good. No, yeah, I, I, think, they're, I think they've fallen a good bit short in their search for... Uh, Dean Henderson replacement, unfortunately. Yeah, they should have. They should have tried harder to get Dean Henderson back on loan. Yeah, I suppose it's, 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 no, it's interesting. There's no doubt. He's, a, he's, a, he's a decent goalkeeper, Ramsdale. And he, he's had his good games, but for me, he looks a lot of the uh, the Pickford mold. I think. I suppose then going out and spending yeah. 18 million pounds does suggest that Manchester United will definitely be keeping hold of Dean Henderson though for this yeah, year. Well, like I said, I th- I th- th- that's going to be a natural transition. I think De Gea will start as number one. Henderson will be given opportunity if De Gea messes up or if De Gea gets injured and Henderson comes in and does well, then that's that. You know, because yeah, I, I think that's how it's Sheff- be. Sheffield United is a perfect breeding ground for Henderson. So, on you know, given that they're not going to loan him back to Sheffield United, it, it would appear that they're plan to use him this year okay Stefan I'm going to put you under a little bit of pressure here um, I'm going to put myself under pressure to pronounce his surname first uh, Mohamed Sassilu Salisu um, transferred from Real Sociedad to Southampton can you tell us anything about him I can he's a he's a six foot three Senegalese centre back who, who went through the ranks in, in Valladolid um, came up through their their second side the B team and had I, I can't remember exactly. I think it might have been one really good year and it might have been last year. Um, commanding centre-back can, can play with the ball at his feet. Um, I suppose, as he from Senegal, and he's six foot three, you'd say, in the, in the Koulibaly mould, but not, you know, time will tell if he's in that class. I, I, he's young, he's 22. So it's, um, it's going to be a big test for him, but obviously at six foot three, he's, he's going to be able to deal with the, the physical aspect of the, of the, of the Premier League. They've gone out and signed Kyle Water-Peters from uh, Spurs as well. Excuse me, do you think that Ra- Ralph Hasenhutl has identified um, a, a weak link in the Southampton defence that he's trying to fix, or has he just seen a couple of good deals going here? Is Kyle Walker-Peters a good deal for £12 million? I suppose we're back to the English tactic. You take your Arsenal hat off there, Jim. Is he? What's he done? <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm going to praise Spurs when we talk about Spurs, because they've done some good business, and they have some good players. I don't think Carl Walker-Peters is one of their good players, was one of their good players. So I think they've done well to move him on for £12 million. Pounds. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would say, yeah, he, must have, he would have identified some sort of weakness. Obviously, they've lost uh, Cedric, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They obviously had to fill that void. Salisa coming from Spain is obviously a young player, but probably a bit of a project. I don't think they can probably expect him to step in. From what I remember, he only 
kind of stepped into the first team last year. So, you know, he's quite short in experience. So there's probably a bit of a, a bit of a project player there that they saw some talent in. Um, and then Walker Peters, someone who's played a good bit in the Premier League to kind of uh, fill a void, I guess. Um, someone that Spurs have gone out and got, um, Pierre-Emile Ho- uh, Hoberg. Uh, is that how you pronounce his, his surname? Yeah. Hoiberg. Hoiberg. For only £15 million. Uh, He seems like a bit more of a more of a discount mm-hmm. when you consider the money that Southampton are taking in to let him go for, for only fifteen. Seems a bit crazy. Yeah, he's a good player. Very, very good player. Combative midfielder. Um, can pass, can tackle, can can do pretty much anything. Doesn't really score that. I think last year he did score a few, but before, that was the only time that he started chipping in with goals. But he, he's a, he's a good good signing for Spurs for fifteen million, and and to get Matt Doherty from Wolves for for less than that, if the the fees to be believed is. Is, is extreme. That's Daniel Levy at his best, isn't it? Negotiating those those. Low, yeah, it's hard to wonder how he does it. On Matt Doherty, then you're selling Walker Peters for you're you're doing great business in the right back department anyway. Yeah, and I think it has to be yeah. looked like. Let me look at that for an for an upgrade for basically for free. Um, and if you look at, I think what this season is going to be, it's going to be a a bit of a slog. It's going to be a bit compact. So to build. Add two quality players into the squad like that is is really really good business from Tottenham. Hoiberg, I think, was top of the list on on defensive recoveries last year on on interceptions and possession um um turnovers for on on defense. So he sounds perfect for a Jose Mourinho midfield anyway. Yeah, I think that he'll like him a lot more than he likes Ndombele. Has yeah, there been he's... rumors of Ndombele going? Um, like for for me, whoever gets in there. Ahead of Winks, ahead of Ndombele, they've sold Wanyama. Just there now. was rumours of Winks uh, on the way um, out as well. He, United possibly before the Van der Beek deal happened. Van der, yeah, uh, they, Van der obviously Beek, they yeah. should pursue Van der Beek ahead of Harry Winks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, but Tottenham. Schoenberg's a good signing. That's a good signing. He'll start yeah. for them and he'll do well. I don't Spur, think Mourinho Spurs have also bring... picked up picked up Joe Hart on a free and let Jan Jan Bertongen go. On a free, Vertonghen mm. um, is one that's going to need to be replaced. They still need to sign a centre half, don't they? Yeah, who've they got now? They've got Vertonghen. Sorry, Ver, um, Alderweireld and Sanchez Davies. and and Ben. He's a left back who can play centre back. Juan yeah, Foyth. Eric, Eric Dyer's been there a lot as well. Yeah, they're they're light there. Definitely, they're light there. Sanchez. Yeah, no, it's Sanchez and uh, Alderweireld. They're two first choice. And then Juan Foyth, who played a lot at right back, um, young Argentinian defender, but he's naturally a centre back. Yeah, knowing Jose Mourinho, that's the area he's going to want to target. Have you been watching the Spurs documentary, lads? Anyone, anyone seen any of it? I haven't got to it now. I haven't started it, I've but I, I look forward though. to it. I've seen it's, clips, and all the clips look great. Jose at his absolute best. Well, it, it, it is the Jose Mourinho documentary. I think the first 15 minutes yeah. of the first episode cover um, Poch, and after that, it's, it's Jose Mourinho on camera for. 80, 95% of the, of the time. <laughs> That's worth the money. Yeah. yeah, It's fantastic. I think that actually it may have had a part in why he came into the club, the Amazon documentary being what it was and how lucrative it could be for them. Um, no one leaving yeah. that club. Um, you can never, you... never underestimate the commercial nature of football. God, no. Um, Joe, I'm going I'm to quickly run through some of your major transfer rumours here. Um, yeah. Van to Manchester United, we spoke about that. Sancho and Grealish, we spoke about. Uh, Thomas Partey mm. uh, to Arsenal. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so he, he seems to be Arsenal's uh, 
major transfer wit. They're going to need to raise some funds after having brought in Gabriel. But there, there are several Arsenal players who are linked with, with exits to, to, to release some funds, like some Lucas Torreira and Matteo Guendouzi in, in midfield. I think Torreira could probably go for 20, 25 million pounds and Guendouzi maybe a little bit more. Um, so between if, if Arsenal can sell both of them, they can bring in Partey. Partey is an extremely competent centre midfielder who can pretty much do everything. He seems to excel most at the base of the midfield, but he's also very technically good, um, very good on the ball. So he could play in, in any combination of, of midfield, you'd think. Um, Arsenal bringing him in would be a, a major statement of intent. Yeah. We're talking, I'm, talking of letting Guendouzi go. Just sorry yeah. to add on, on party as well. He's... There are whispers uh, in the Spanish press today that he would be willing to join Arsenal and his uh, bio clause is 50 million euros. So probably not out of the reach. No, especially if they can shift someone like Guendouzi off the bill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's talk of Guendouzi to Valencia. Guendouzi's fallen out with Arteta um, and he's going to be sold. So... Yeah, I'd say, yeah. I mean, Guendouzi's a very promising player and he's going to be playing Champions League football later in his career. So there will be money from from selling him. Um, obviously, there's been lots of talk about Thiago and, and Mignolism at Liverpool. One one guy that we didn't talk about there mm-hmm. uh, is Sar is being linked for £40 million. He was obviously instrumental in their first league defeat of the season last year. Stefan, what do you think about him being discussed uh, with, a, with a £40 million price tag? Um, it's an interesting one. Um, probably one of those players that I think 40 million is a, is a gamble. Um, mm. it, yeah, I just think just showed a lot of flashes of, you know, brilliance, uh, and excellence. And it's always that, that risk you take is, you know, do you have a guy who's a consistent, you know, scoring lots of goals year in, year out, or are you buying someone based on flashes and how good, you think they might be, and then you know. I guess it's a, a case of how much you trust kind of the system that you have that will they'll fit into it, and then how much you trust the coaching to be able to adapt them into it. I, I think I, I can't see that one happening. Uh, two two main reasons. The, f- the first being I, I'm not so sure if I believe the rumors to be true. Uh, it doesn't fit the mold of a Liverpool signing. They only seem to be spending big money when the player is proven. And you could think of. Uh, you know, Fabinho, Van Dijk, yeah. Alisson, all these players. For a similar price. Mo Salah was proven in, this, in Serie A in one and a half seasons. Yeah, okay. I, I think Mo he did very well. Salah and, was sorry, definitely my, at a higher level. He was. And my my level, second so, yeah. point is that he's, um, he's, he's, he's Senegalese and that's another African wide forward. And they have, just in terms of when the African Cup of Nations takes place, then that would be all of their wide forwards, except for mm-hmm. Origi, um, at the Africa combination. So that it, for me, those are, those are two reasons to suggest that it's... I think Liverpool are too clever to pursue a signing like that. I, I don't think that he's quite, quite what they need. Okay, fair enough. Thanks. Um, we'll, we'll keep scrolling. And, and one that draws the eye here, Mesut Ozil, Joe, is he finally going to leave? Um, I... <laughs> He's really digging his digging his heels in here, and he keeps on every coming here today. He, today he put a tweet out saying, uh, seven years it's it's seven years to the day since he signed for Arsenal." So he put a tweet out saying that he wouldn't change it for uh, for for the world. He'd never change that best decision of his life. So I, I think he's actually going to see out his contract. Um, 
he's everything indicates that that's the case. He's not been picked for any squad since lockdown. He he hasn't been involved in any uh, official Arsenal training. Like, what more can Arteta do to or the club do to to try to move him out? And he's just not going to go. But that's those are the rumours today that he's been offered a lifeline from the Middle East. Links of rumours, at least, of Wilfred Zaha being linked with Borussia Dortmund. Is that as a potential replacement for Jaden Sancho if he leaves? Would have to be, I assume. I don't, I don't think uh, they wouldn't get get Zaha without shipping Sancho. And I suppose like, the, like almost. the the final big rumours associated with with Premier League clubs would be um, Hamas Rodriguez and Alan both being linked with with Everton. The the Ancelotti pull there, and um, if they mm. can pull off those two signings, I mean, it would definitely at least raise their their public profile, if not their chances of finishing up, up the Premier League table. Joe, how excited do you think Everton fans would be hearing their club being linked with, with players of that calibre? Yeah, I put a poll out on our Twitter account the other day asking about Hammers in particular, and people seem to be happy with it. Um, I, I'm really not so sure about that. He was linked with Arsenal in the January transfer window, and I really didn't, I, I, did, I, I was a no-go for me. I, I don't think that, I, I think that, that he's a bit of a luxury player. And I don't think that he's been the player of the 2014 World Cup since 2015. He's 29. I don't know. Maybe he'll come in and do great. But I think it's a big risk. And it'll be an expensive risk as well. They're talking about £30 million, £25, £30 million. And then he'll be on 200 grand a week or so. Is that what Everton need? Everton seems to have had a lot of players. I think Everton need young, hungry players who want to fight for the badge, who want to prove themselves. Richardsons. They need more Richardsons than James Rodriguez. And that concludes the end of part two. And that's that's this week's edition of the Premier Football Podcast. Uh, Stefan, I know that you're in a rush to get out a, a hot date on the town this evening in uh, in Granada, is it? Yeah, uh, something like that, yeah. <laughs> Without the date. And uh, Joe, thanks for joining us as well. Yeah, pleasure, Rafe. <laughs> Will we get you back on again? Man, for sure. <laughs> yeah, without doubt, obviously. Um, yeah, thanks very much for watching, guys. Um, as always, we've been the Premier Football Podcast. If we can ask you to like the video, subscribe to the channel, leave any comments or any feedback, we we greatly appreciate it. The the links will be out um, for the for the audio clips, Spotify. If we get likes and subscriptions on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, we're we're absolutely everywhere, and we appreciate any 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 support on on any platform.